Leaders come in all different shapes, sizes, and styles. There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Our goal is to connect with those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others, to learn about their unique style, and to provide our listeners with inspiration to lead. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. We have our uh, uh, first here. We're breaking ground. We have a historic moment. This is a two versus one interview with two wonderful people, a husband and wife dynamic duo. We have Angela and Justin Serpone. Angela is the head coach of women's lacrosse at the University of Massachusetts. This was supposed to be your 10th year or 10th season this spring. So she's still holding, holding strong at nine years at University of Massachusetts. Angela is a six-time A-10 coach of the year. Seven A-10 tournament titles on the resume. Bunch of conference championships. Seven births to the NCAA tournament. 2018 coach on the U.S. U-19 national team. And is the proud owner of a 157-27 and record. It's like an 853 winning percentage. Ridiculously good. And then the other half of the duo is Justin Serpone, right down the road at Amherst College. He's the men's soccer coach. This past fall completed his 13th year as the head coach at Amherst. Second winningest coach of any active coach. I saw this on the website today. Ridiculous. In NCAA history, 2015 NCAA Division III National Champion. 2015 NSCAA Division III Coach of the Year and a five-time NESCAC champion at Amherst College. So when I say dynamic duo, and that's just a, that's a portion of the long list, uh, do some Googling, you'll find out more. But Angela, Justin, excited to have you on the Lead with Empower podcast. Thank you both so much for joining. Dan, thanks for having us. This is awesome. Um, I think, Dan, we probably have known each other for what, Last five or six or seven years, maybe even longer than that. I would say roughly, I think seven, eight, seven years probably. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, the second that I met Dan, uh, I met you, Dan, we, we, I knew right away that you were somebody that I wanted in my life for a while. Charismatic, energetic. Uh, we worked together with the Amherst Leeds program. And uh, every single year for the last eight years or whatever it is, we started out that weekend and you've been the, you're the headliner, and it's always been a, such a great event. And so we're really pumped to be on here with you. And I uh, think what you're doing here is amazing. Uh, love, love watching it. So this is great. And this yeah, is a thank first you so for much. ourselves as well. Us doing an interview together. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going into unto, this, the definition of adventure. We're going into uncharted territory together. I think we'll be all right. I didn't, I didn't throw any heaters at you. I might throw, <laughs> try to throw a little gasoline on the fire later in the interview here, but we're not, we're not going to come out swinging too hard in the beginning. So, yeah, Justin, I, I remember the day vividly because you came to do a site visit, and it was probably in April um, to our, our site here in Middletown. And to backtrack, I, I was called by, uh, I think at the time, assistant hockey coach, Eddie Effiger, great guy yep. from Amherst College. He's moved on, but uh, – he said, hey, we're interested in this 24-hour this overnight program. You know, what do you think? And I said, yeah, tell me about the group. And, yeah, it's awesome. How many people? And he goes, there's somewhere between 70 and 80. And to that, to that moment, we had only hosted about 20, 24 for an overnight. 
So Justin, again, kind of just, you know, on whim came down to Middletown to meet. And it was like 42 degrees, raining, miserable. And we, we didn't have any, you know, really like the campsite set up because we had never run a program to, you know, to that magnitude for that long. And it was a great conversation. And as soon as the, the ink hit the paper and everything was on the books, it was a, a fun project. And it's been a great program. One of my favorite groups every year, you know, high quality athletes, you know, great student leaders and, you know, really challenges, you know, I think them, I think it challenges the Amherst Leeds leaders and it also challenges our team. So kind of that idea of going into that adventure together and um, sticking together and surviving together and being better people, you know, at the end of it. So it's, it's always one of my favorites, Coach. Absolutely. Before we get into the, the meat of the interview right here, obviously we're, we're all in the midst of a, a, <laughs> a unique time, to say the least. Just how, how are you both doing from a health standpoint? How you have three young ones? How is everybody at the family doing well? Uh, everybody hanging in there? Yeah, everyone's great. You know, we've just been executing social distancing, taking care of when we have to go to the grocery store and just, you know, crossing those T's and dotting the I's when it comes to uh, making sure that we're not only putting ourselves in jeopardy, but our kids as well. And, um, you know, it's tough not seeing family and extended family. I think that's tough. But, you know, fortunately, with all the, you know, video conferencing and ability to do that, um, we're, we're doing our best inclusive of with our teams and uh, coworkers and, and things of that magnitude. I think we're trying to do our best to really communicate a lot because obviously that's a huge uh, role for us as, as communicators. Dan, don't you feel like it's like one of the unique parts about this, this time is I feel like I've connected with people that I haven't seen in such a long time. Like right before, literally 15 minutes before we came on, I shot a note to a bunch of high school buds or college buddies that I hadn't seen or talked to in a bit and just, yo, let's get on a Zoom next week, right? And so I think, I think there's certainly challenges with this time, but man, like there's been some pretty cool opportunities and reconnections and all that. I got another group of kid people that I, I went to summer camp with like 40 years ago, 35 years ago, and we're getting together next week. And so it's like, you know, there are, there are some silver linings. I, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And it's, it's been a recurring theme in a lot of the conversations I've had with some of the teachers and the coaches that you know, we have connections with is you can choose to go the route of it's miserable. It's negative. It's, you know, and I know there's people out there that are dealing with stuff that's above and beyond what, you know, I have the safety of being at home. There's people on the front lines of the health health uh, world that are, you know, it's a different ball game. But for the, you know, the regular population, um, it's kind of like your attitude, your attitude will shape what you get out of it. And I, I agree wholeheartedly. I'm reconnected with college friends, people from, um, you know, past groups that I've, I've worked with that maybe don't get to see outside of once or twice a year. So I think it, it's like anything else. So what you try to take from the situation, you'll find if you have that positive mentality, you'll get some positive takeaways from it. Yeah. I had a, uh, a good friend who happens to coach. She's at the University of New Haven. Laura Duncan is the head coach there. She's a good friend. And she actually brought up, like, they would be in kind of their spring training right now and getting into some competitions. And she brought up doing the Zoom with the teammates because they're all home, all, all of her athletes it's actually forged, uh, forged some stronger relationships than they would have if they were in person because they're breaking away from the routine and she's able to see them in their home environment and they're, what their family members are like. And, you know, so I think it gets about down to it. If you let it beat you up, it will. And if you try to take something from it, 
you know, you will. Yeah, and there's also like, there's also times when there's a little bit of both, right? Like, I think it's important for people to know, like, these are extraordinary circumstances. And like, you know, you, there's going to be days you just like, got to grind through and you got to put one foot in front of the other, right? And then there's yeah. other days when you can kind of, you know, I think take a step back and like, appreciate, again, like, I was saying, Dan, the other day, like, there's going to be a point in our life where we would give all the money in our in the, our bank accounts to have our three kids, in, you know, around us all the time, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, like, yeah, are there challenges when they're all fighting over, you know, whatever, getting the extra bowl of goldfish or whatever the, you know, <laughs> million things they fight over? Yeah, definitely. But, you know, it's also pretty neat. So everyone's good about it. I think Angela said it earlier. So just it, we're doing the best that we can, and at the end of the day, this situation is so imperfect, it's so different, <laughs> so unique. That's all you can ask for at the end of the day. Do the best that you can. It might yep. be ugly, it might be beautiful, but if you did the best that you can on that day or in that moment, you can sleep pretty well at night. Yeah, and I mean, it made me recognize that I should brush up on my second grade math. You know, <laughs> looking at at how they're doing math nowadays, I'm like, man, I I really need to brush up on this because I'm not sure I'm I'm really the expert. <laughs> Oh man, so <laughs> the, the, I can't imagine the homeschooling thing, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit later on. Um, Angela, I'm going to start with you. So the spring sports season gone, vanished. Tell us a little bit about how that all came to fruition, and and what it was like as the leader of a bunch of competitive college athletes. You know, how'd you get there? How are you working your way to get through that? It's got to be a really tough time for everybody. Yeah, when things got shut down, we were preparing to go down to Towson, um, play a really competitive Towson team. And uh, we were four and one at that time, uh, just coming off a good win over uh, New England rival UConn. And, you know, it, it's that point in the season where you start to build momentum a few games in and we're, we were getting ready for conference play to start and just building our confidence and really starting to gel together. So you know, I think early on it, it started with um, the Ivy Leagues and the Patriot League schools uh, closing down. And, you know, I it's it's all uncharted territory, so you don't know what, what's coming. And, you know, Justin, it's, it's sometimes a blessing to have another coach in the house because, you know, they might say things to you that you're not thinking about, you know, or sort of keep you in check. And he's like, you're not you – know, you're probably not going to Maryland this weekend. You know that, right? And I'm like, no, like – I'm going, what are, what are you talking about? And, um, you know, so obviously we, we had our last practice Thursday, March 12th. Uh, we had a meeting maybe 45 minutes after we finished and, and it was, you know, we're not going this weekend and we'll kind of see how, how everything else transpires. And, you know, your, your heart just melts for specifically for the, the seniors, but all your athletes who we, you know, we've been training since mid-January and really all year long because we, we practice full year. And, um, you know, just to have that pulled away from, from them and all the unknowns that came with it because you, you didn't know if they were going to get the year back and it, another opportunity to um, still compete again and just so many unknowns. So I, I think the shock, the immediate shock to it all, you know, really – rattled everyone inclusive of myself and it's just one of those moments where you gotta you're almost very vulnerable as a coach because your job is to be the leader right and and take keep everyone together take care of everybody and make sure it goes smoothly I you know I didn't know I I couldn't 
have these consoling words for them to say, it's going to be okay. You're, you're going to have X, Y, and Z because you just don't know. And so I think that's a, an, just a, it was an interesting time. And uh, you just try to be as positive as you possibly can. And for, for me, the priority was really keeping the group together, communicating um, while they're still able to be together, just spending a lot of time with each other, remembering funny memories that we'd experienced so far um, in that season and just trying to stay, stay positive and, and focusing more on the relationships uh, versus the actual sport. You know, the sport yep. kind of went, went secondary to relationships and, and everybody's just overall well-being. And um, from there, now it's just turned into virtual uh, connections between team meetings, individual meetings, uh, giving them different ideas and ways that they can, you know, be physically fit, uh, you know, focus on nutrition, overall, just well-being and, and health, not just yep. really lacrosse. It's just, again, what can you do to put yourself in the best position possible to stay in a positive mindset for yourself? And also they're in school. So organize with school, organize with classes. And, you know, I think we're just trying to be helpers as much as we possibly can to make sure they finish the semester off. And then once summertime, you know, comes and things get sorted on how things are going to go, then I think we'll have a better feel for what we need to do as coaches in terms of leading them. But um, we're just trying to stay positive. That's, that's yeah. the biggest thing. I think you touched on a great point is, you know, normally you're in this position where you know what the answer is, or you have a really you know, darn good idea what the answer is, and you're able to give them the information to, to provide that support and, the the feeling of vulnerability is tough to come back from and I think that's you know the the positivity and the relationship building is obviously a, a I think what what the priority is right now for everybody in Connecticut we we had a Western Connecticut's uh, softball program Western Connecticut State University and they were actually at our facility at the end of February for a, a team building day we, we had a mild winter so I'm you know I'm charging in thinking this is going to be a great year and we get through the morning portion of the event and we break for lunch and the head coach takes a phone call and she had just gotten word from the athletic director that their spring training trip to Florida was being canceled. And they were in this middle of the, this positive start of the year kickoff event. She's like, I'm going to hold off on telling them until after the, you know, after the, the program is over. And it's just, yeah, you know, tough time for everybody. And, you know, glad to hear you're doing the best that you can in the situation right now. You both have been at your respective posts for quite some time. Justin, 13, uh, Angela, nine years. Justin, start, start with you. Give our listeners an idea of your journey from, you know, competitive athlete to coaching. How'd you get into coaching? Give us a little bit of the backstory uh, behind who we know now as Justin Zappone, the head coach at Amherst College. Well, Dan, I wasn't, uh, when you say competitive athlete, I, was, I wasn't very competitive. So... <laughs> Um, I was the, I don't know, I think I probably topped out of the fourth string goalkeeper on my college soccer team. So, um, you know, but I, I have a lot, I take a lot of pride in that, you know, going through college, wasn't the best player, but, but was often in leadership positions. And so knew that I wanted to coach, right? Like knew that I wanted to coach and I, I, I don't know how the heck I came about it. I started to think and I made a deal with myself. That, that as I as I tried to coach, like I was gonna set 
30 years old, like I would do anything that I needed to do between 22 and 30 to, to put myself in a good spot, right? And so if that meant going places and working for no money, I was going to do that. But I thought, because the, the trap that young coaches get into is they, they you know, they'll take a job that's, that's 30 grand and then they think, oh, well, that, that'll get me through. I mean, 30 grand and no money is basically this. I mean, you, you're going to be scrapping no matter what. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So my point was like, I would do whatever to get to the highest level that I could. And so I got an opportunity and we're still best friends to this day. And he's my, my business partner, Dennis Bond, who's a Lafayette college head coach. He was 25, youngest head coach in the country in, in Division One soccer at the time. For some unknown reason, hired me as his second assistant. And, you know, 13 years later, again, we're, we've been best friends for a long time. Or that, that was even 17 years ago. And so I started there. I worked for nothing. I lived in a frat house for two years. Again, volunteer, second assistant. Then I got an opportunity in Northwestern where I, worked, I, I lived in another frat house and then lived in the head coach's basement and basically no, made no money there. And then got an opportunity at Duke, uh, was an assistant there. And, and again, made 15 grand at Duke that one year I was there as second assistant. So like, it was a lot of scrapping, but I was 28 when I got the Amherst job. And, I, you know, I, I think that so much of life is being in the right place at the right time. And yeah. like, I happened to be what they were looking for, right? I was young. I was, I was uh, at the beginning of my career. I just fit the things that they were looking for at the time. Uh, but very easily, and, and by the way, at that time, I also wanted to get back to the New England area. It's where I grew yeah. up in Boston. And, and, you know, at some point, you, you get homesick and you get lonely and you're, you're wondering if you made good decisions. Got the Amherst opportunity and haven't looked back. It's just been, a, it's been the perfect place for me. It, you know, Division Three sort of checks all the boxes of what I want in sort of my professional uh, life and, and what I believe from a philosophy standpoint and what a place to do it. Uh, it's just been awesome. So that, that was my path. Uh, but I, I also recognize that we all, you know what I mean? Like it, it kind of worked out the way that I, I wanted it to. And a lot of things I, I feel like I've been lucky in life and, and, it, it, and the word luck is exactly that. Uh, that things have kind of gone, it worked out my way. And I, I'm really grateful for that because very easily things along that path could have gone different. And I would have had, you know, a, a totally different journey. So I said, I said it, we, we lost in the national championship game this year in the post-game press conference. I feel like my life's been like that, that movie, The Truman Show, where like <laughs> everything is set up and staged around you. Um, that's how lucky that I feel like I've been. So uh, fortunate, grateful. Uh, but that, yeah, it's been a good, been a good ride. And, you know, I, and you mentioned the word, I think, gr you know, grind out a day earlier on and at the start of the, uh, the episode here. And, you know, I wouldn't say it was all luck. I, you know, again, having known you for the past handful of years, I think there's, you know, people can will them, will themselves into opportunities and will themselves into some lucky breaks. So I would say that probably, you know, don't sell yourself short. That probably played a little bit of a role in it, I'm sure. Yeah, but I also, and I, but, I, but I do think that I, I talk to our, our graduating kids every year about this. Like, listen, like all the stuff that gets you to college or gets you to a certain point in your life when you, you're 22 years old or whatever, that's based on transcripts and all, all that, you know, opportunities a lot of times. Like, you know, like once you get to the real world, like people that work hard are at a premium, right? So, so like, if you're a good person and you work hard, there's going to be a place for you in organizations. But the, the, the bar for that 
to be somebody that, that's pretty high, right? And so it's going to take sacrifice. And um, but that's the that's the great part about the real world, if you will, is that once you get there, like people don't really care where you came from. They don't care that you were a great college soccer player or you were, you know, you were the valedictorian or whatever it is. Like, what can you bring to the table? And I yeah. think the number one thing is you got to be able to have a good work ethic um, in my mind. And, yep. and, yeah. Agree. So Justin was for, a fourth string goalie at the college level and, and made his journey to coaching. Angela, let's, uh, let's hear from you. So you've been at, U, at UMass for nine years, quite an interesting journey doing some background. Tell us a little bit about your story, how you got into coaching. So I, um, I actually knew even in high school that I wanted to coach, you know, I didn't necessarily have a timeline set up for that, but, um, you know, I knew just, I was a three sport athlete. I was a captain uh, of all those teams. And, and I just loved that. I loved sort of being that, um, coach in game, that role. And so I started out my career at UMass. Actually, I went, uh, went to UMass for my freshman year and, just, you know, a lot of situational things uh, came up, but there was an opportunity that uh, came up at Northwestern out in Chicago where they hired uh, Kelly Amonti to revitalize their program. So it, it was around in the 80s, and then it got uh, shut down and brought back from, for Title IX reasons. And so she was hired as the coach to revitalize and revamp the program and get it going. And, you know, I, I think – talking about luck. I mean, I think the one thing that I experienced in terms of luck for myself in this whole process was, uh, she was a, at the time that I was in high school, she was a volunteer coach, uh, at BU. Okay. And I don't know if you know the name Kelly Monty, your brother is Tony Monty who played in the NHL who's an all-star. Um, she won two national championships uh, at Maryland as a lacrosse player there. She's one of the best players of all time and best coaches of all time. But my lucky moment came in high school when my high school coach asked her to come and run one of our practices. And immediately I was, I was sort of drawn to her because of her outside the box thinking. She was teaching us you know, things I'd never thought of because lacrosse in Massachusetts is relatively young. You know, a lot of times there were no youth programs. You started in high school if you were lucky enough to have a high school that sponsored it. So she comes in and I, I'm, I love it. You know, I'm all in on it. And she's whipping behind the back passes and teaching us how to do those just cool things. And I'm like, man, this is so fun. This is so exciting. So I was all lined up to go to UMass and then uh, heard that she was hired to as the new coach at Northwestern. And I, I, I jumped at the opportunity to try to transfer there because for me, it was also a unique scenario of going into a program as a sophomore when every other player on the team was a freshman. Yep. And it was such a unique opportunity where, you know, you think of sophomores, they're kind of right in the middle of the pack there. But I was able to go in and, and be a leader and, and a captain right away, which was just an amazing experience and learning from her and having the opportunity to get a, an education from Northwestern was just an, an amazing opportunity. And again, through that process, I knew I wanted to coach. I, I was really interested also in the sport. I love sports. So look, my first job out of college was working at Reebok, but it was a, a scenario where it's behind a desk, looking at a computer all day 
And as soon as I was in that for like a month, I was like, gosh, I got to make this happen now. Like I, I can't last in this. I got to go. So Kelly and her husband, Scott, who's also a, a wife and husband coaching duo. Uh, he, he had a really good friend who was the men's coach at Bentley. Uh, at the time it was called now it's university. And they were looking for a head coach, but I didn't have any coaching experience. And I was fortunate enough to get an interview and they hired me and I was 22 at the time I was hired with no experience and it was only a part-time job. So when, you know, Justin talks about sacrifices and being willing to do whatever it took, I, I knew that this was an opportunity that I had to take. Yep. I didn't know how I was going to navigate through it, but it was about $5,000 worth of pay wow. and no paid assistant. So I kept my full-time job at Reebok. I was able to uh, maneuver my hours to go and work from 11 to 8 p.m. And yep. so I could run morning practices and then get into work and work full-time. And then out of that $5,000, I paid one of my friends about 1000 of that to be my assistant. And then it got to that point where obviously that wasn't going to work and you get in season and, and I ended up leaving my job working a ton of, I worked catering. I did, um, worked as like a sales clerk. I just did whatever I, I needed to do uh, in order to make it work. And once I got that taste of it, it was like, okay, I love this, but I need to learn. I yep. don't know the intricacies of a budget or, you know, all these logistical things, uh, even recruiting that, that kind of go into it. I, I felt good about the lacrosse piece and the X's and O's, but there was just so much more to it. So that's when an opportunity to go be an assistant at UMass came up. I was an assistant there for two years. The woman who was the head coach was one of Justin's really good friends out at Northwestern during his time at Northwestern. And she was my assistant coach for at Northwestern for a year. So, I, you know, she hires me. And at that time is around the time that we met out in Chicago and uh, did the you know whole long distance thing. And um, ultimately I was in my second year as an assistant at UMass when he got the Amherst job, which is like, what are the odds of that happening? Unbelievable. Right, and so from there, I had a head coaching opportunity after two years there at UConn. So I was at UConn for two years. Um, the, the year before I took, uh, took that program over, they were one in 15. So only one way to go there. Yep. And uh, fortunately, we were able to sort of revitalize that, get some, get some more wins. And then the UMass coach left, went to Ohio State. They called me right away and were like, we want you for the job. So I was pretty torn. I just put in uh, so much work to try to, you know, flip the, the UConn program around and got all these great players coming in. But at the end of the day, we had just gotten married. We knew we wanted to have a family. How are we going to do this if we're um, – commuting 45 minutes each way. We want to have kids. Like, what are we going to do? And, and Kelly was, was a big in that process. She had just had uh, her first child. She was like, you will understand once you have them that there's no, it's just no value that you can put on being close to your job, close to your kids. And you don't want to feel like you're being torn because uh, yep. you're already going to be torn, you know, yep. being a, court, a coach. So I just trusted her. You know, she had always done right by me. I trusted her and and took a leap of faith, went to UMass, and here we are. That's awesome. Great, great stories both, uh, from both of you. And, 
and I get, I, I was a kid, my dad was a high school coach, two sport and you know, the high, the whole idea of family and not, and not tearing them up. And one of the, the bonuses for me as a young child growing up was, you know, going to football practice, going to baseball practice, getting into the gym whenever I wanted to, you know, go play basketball or whatever it was. So, you know, that idea of being, you know, being together, being close to family, close to the job is from the outside looking in probably the right decision. <laughs> and the kids will enjoy it as they get older too, which is, which is great. As head coaches, how much, like if you had to give a percentage to how much time you're actually, you know, coaching the, the tactics and the specifics of the sport versus that other stuff, the budget, the, the recruiting, all the, lo the logistics with, you know, hiring your staff. If you had to give a rough estimate as, as to, you know, the percentage of your time dedicated to sport specific versus all that other stuff, what would it be? I mean, I probably would say for me, it's like 2% of my time. 2% of my working time is coaching, yep. which is amazing, right? It's like yep. how we only have a two, two, two and a half month season, half of those in, in Division Three, there's no, in NESCAC, which is our lead, there's no off season. So like everything else takes up. And I think that's, that's a great, it's a good question because it's like, oh, you sort of think, oh, I'm going to be, go be a coach. And it's like, well, I mean, you're coaching for like, you know, 2%. I mean, maybe it's a little bit more for you, but. Yeah, probably like 20%. So. Yeah, yeah, even still. Yeah. So. A I friend mean, of mine. Was... Too. Just like the player meetings, you yep. know, and player development. It more so, I would say, student-athlete development, right? It's not just when we're meeting with kids, we're making sure that they're um, getting their classes taken care of. They're getting tutors if they need help. Uh, they're organizing their lives to be as efficient and, and successful as possible. So I think the idea of just the, the student athlete development is huge. And then the other big component being recruiting yep. and, and getting the right people in, in for the job. That's a uh, yeah, good, good friend of mine spent some years coaching at the, the college level at Western New England. I think it's university now. It used to be Western New England College. And he, he was like, if you want to just coach, don't try to be a head coach, be an assistant because you're coaching, right? You're, you're with the kids, you're in the trenches. As soon as you become a head coach, it's all that other stuff that no one ever thinks of. Yeah. The whole idea with this podcast, right? And, and this is a little segue into the next question. Everybody has a little bit of a different style or a voice in how they lead. And, you know, um, however, I'm, I'm under the belief that there are certain traits that are shared amongst people um, whether it's in the corporate world or in athletics or in as a teacher that, you know, this person is a tremendous leader. They're probably going to do these four or five things similar than the professional coach or the, the, the college athlete. Um, so that being said, and I'm very interested to see your, your thoughts on, on, on your leadership styles, but just, you know, describe leadership style for Justin and for Angela and then, what you would consider like your key strength and then a, a weakness or a challenge that you face? It's a good question. I mean, I think, I think what are the common traits? I'll, 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 this is my, obviously my opinion. I'll answer that. I mean, you can't fake really caring. Right. And so like all the people, whether you're the owner of a company or you're the coach of a team or you're the, or you're with your family, like you can't fake caring. And so, I think ultimately people, people want to be cared for and are going to give you a million different, you know, mulligans, if you will, for mistakes you make if they think you care. 
we say that all the time. Like, they're, they, you know, I'm sure that not every player that plays for me agrees with every decision that I make. I, I know that they don't, right? Yeah. But, but I think I, I'm really confident that they would feel like every decision that I make, I'm doing it because I, I genuinely care deeply about everything we're doing. And I might be right and I might be wrong, but they know that I'm doing trying my best. And it's like what you said at the beginning of this podcast, right? Like, dude, try your best. And that's what life's about. And I think great leaders, you, they're people that, that are, are being led. If they think you're doing your best, they're going to they're gonna do what they can to help and be part of it. I mean, I'm, I think that sort of leadership philosophy, like, I'm, I'm a, and I've talked about it a lot recently, which you, what I think I want to do is foster a, a group where people are owners and not renters, right? Where, where our, our players aren't coming through for four years and then moving on to their next thing, but they're, they're stakeholders in what we're doing. And so I don't know, like, I, do I care ultimately like what guys wear on an away game for a bus trip? Like, no. So if, if, and I think sometimes we get all caught up in like those little minor decisions, like, let the kids decide. I don't know. Like, how does it affect my life? They want to wear sweatpants. Like, sounds good. As long as we're all on board, like, I'm cool with it. And so that's a really small example. But, like, ultimately, like, I look at myself as um, I'm not part of Amherst soccer. Like, all those guys are going to graduate from Amherst College. I'm never going to graduate from Amherst College. I'm just a little – I'm just kind of the lighthouse keeper for the program. You can change me. They're going to go on. And so I want them to know that. And, like – I think somewhere in that, in that is like, I try to be really um, thoughtful and, and humble about what my role is in the whole thing. And, and if I do my job, Dan, like if I do my job and bring the right people in, then all I have to do is not screw it up. Like the, the best team we ever had. Uh, oh boy. See, if anyone hears this podcast, I'm going to get myself in trouble. So I won't say the year. I won't say some of my guys will get really upset at that. Uh, I won't say the year, but the best team we ever had, <laughs> uh, one of the other coaches in my league said, hey, called me up and said, listen, your job is one thing and one thing only. Make sure the bus is there on time and make sure it's going to the right place. You don't do anything else. Like, <laughs> and, I, and that's right, right? Like I think sometimes we, it, leaders get making too much with themselves and it's like, it's not about them. I think, and, and then I'll let chance I think my biggest a weakness that I'm that I, I think I've worked on for 13 years is that I think I want to please people all the time and giving bad news is hard, right? I'm not good at that. I'm not good at I, I genuinely am so grateful to really liked all the people that is, have either worked for me or, or I've gotten the chance to coach. And I think nobody wants to be the bearer of bad news, but I think when you get older, it, it's so important that you're really overly honest with people and it might not be what they want to hear. It might not be what you want to tell them. But I think that they appreciate sort of being told the truth. And I've gotten better at that, but I can get even – I can keep improving at that. And, and yep. it's something I've thought about a lot recently. Yeah, I would say, you know, my leadership style, I'm, you know, might even be able to tell over the podcast. I'm a little bit more like Steady Eddie. Justin is very, no. very enthusiastic and very energetic. I'm sort of that cool, calm, collected person. Um, but I think for me, I focus a lot on character and, and the culture. You know, those are the, the two things that I think I, I really drive in, in my leadership um, 
style. So, you know, are, are you willing to do what you say you're going to do and doing it every day on a consistent basis? And, um, I think that that's where, you know, you can really not only lead yourself, but lead others. Um, you can't do it if you're, if, if you're not doing it yourself. So I think for myself, I try to, you know, be, be disciplined and committed and show, um, others that, you know, we create a family like environment, um, at UMass and that we care about each other. And part of caring is exactly what Justin said is having honest dialogue and, and challenging each other to be the best you can possibly be. And if, you know, ultimately my goal is to make sure that you're not the same person or player that you came in as you're growing, you're maturing, you're uh, able to handle any situation or challenge you might face, um, building resiliency and, and ultimately just preparing for life, you know? So I, I feel like I, I do spend a lot of time on that. Um, and really, you know, empowering others, you know, it's not to get too much into the gender stuff, but you know, sometimes girls, you know, when it comes to confidence and, and things and pulling, pulling that out of them and say, Hey, it's okay for you to be a confident female, you know, to walk into a room and, and own the room and, and command a room. And, and a lot of times, uh, that's not necessarily the case as they're coming into college. So finding ways and, and encouraging them and, and building their confidence that there's, there's nothing that they can't do. And, you know, for example, we had a, an alum, she was actually uh, the year we came down to you, she was a senior that year. And she was one of the, one of the kids that kind of handled some of the challenges the best too. But she, uh, it, it was, is in the trading floor at, at um, Morgan Stanley, you know, and oh, wow. she did an internship with them when she was in college she was 20 years old she goes into new york city and she's working with you know 45 50 year old men only men not one woman in the entire department and she not only survived but she thrived you know especially because of her background i think um it's a, it's a mindset obviously but she felt she said to me i feel like i was so prepared for that because i knew what it meant to commit and make sacrifices in order to be successful. And I would get in there a half an hour before everybody else. I would leave a half an hour after. Um, I just did whatever I could. And, and she walked out of that, the summer internship with the job offer for the following year. So I, I think it's just those values that, that you learn along the way of, you know, the, whether it's morning practices, whether it's uh, strength and conditioning, whether it's your study hall time that you have to allot for, if you really want to achieve something, you can do it. And I think that's where I try to just encourage our athletes that, that they can do it, instilling belief in them and also getting them to believe in themselves. Yep. What are you, what are you not good at? You didn't answer that part. Um, probably taking criticism from my husband. Yes. I agree. <laughs> I'm not good at that. I agree. I'm stubborn. Yep. It could also be because I'm an only child that, you know, no one was really ever telling me that I was doing something wrong when I was younger. So I'm so fortunate that I have my husband here to tell me every time I screw something up. I'm so lucky. You're not just not good at taking criticism, any feedback, you know, from your husband. <laughs> you, you both mentioned some great, great concepts. And I, I have the pleasure and 
it's a, I would call it a pleasure. I get to work with a lot of like middle school and high school students. So before yeah. they get to where you all are at and I, you brought up the gender thing before with like the, the female athletes maybe having a little bit more trouble finding that confidence inside of them and that, that courage to just to own it. Um, and it's, it's something I drive. I'm a, I'm a male, you know, obviously. And, it, but it's something like with those middle school groups, um, you know, I'll have to pull the boys aside and be like, dial it back a little bit you're not as cool as you think you are so find that balance girls step up because you're smarter than these guys right now and at your age you're better athletes freaking own it and it's all about giving you know whether it's a college athlete or a younger uh, student um just the opportunity and angela i think you should appreciate the opportunities that justin gives you so regularly to learn to take criticism and feedback that's yeah, I like why, you, Dan. That's why I like you, Dan. That's why we get it off right away. That's why we're still married, you know? <laughs> still here. No, Dan, but I, th I also, I'll say that I think you, you're probably so good at that with that age group. Like, I, I bet that they, I bet they love going to you, and, and uh, I can see you just crushing that interaction. It's, and uh, Justin, you said it earlier, it's, it's about authenticity, and that's, um, you know, something, and for whatever reason, and I, I think it comes back to when I was learning how to do this type of stuff. I was trained by some people that were just freaking dynamite. And the education I got at Springfield College, the, the piece of paper I got holds nothing compared to actually what I was able to witness and be a part of. And, um, you know, authenticity to me is the number one thing, because as soon as you have that, you know, you can, with a sixth grade boy, you can kind of bust their chops a little bit but also get a good point across without screaming and yelling at them like a moron. And they, then they respond to that better. And then same thing with the girls. When you tell a young girl, like you freaking got this, right? You can do it. You're physically able to, you're smart enough. It's just a matter of, do you want to? And I'm telling you that you can, and I'll do whatever you need me to do right now to help you do that. And authenticity is, is the biggest part in what, what I get to do on a daily basis. And I think in, in leadership, Justin, I, I would agree with you, my friend. And, um, that's the biggest challenge with, you know, I think training new, you know, young facilitators and young guides is how do you go about building that in a short period of time? You know, with the Amherst program, we have the athletes for 24 hours. So over the a course of a day, you can really show that, but you know, in a two, three hour experience, how do you show to this group of 46 graders that you actually do care, you give a shit, you know? And I think that's, um, for me personally, if I, if I, when I go into work and I can show people that I, I give a crap about them, you know, that's, that's the, if I did that on a day, I feel like I did a decent job leading for that given day. Absolutely. So your competitive coaches and based on your, your long, your long rap sheet of, of tournaments and championships and all that type of stuff, I, you know, obviously wins and losses are important, especially when you coach as a career and um, that's your profession. Beyond that though, and again, this is for both of you. What do you hope that a graduate of the UMass women's lacrosse program or a graduate of the Amherst College men's soccer program, what do you hope they take away from their experiences with you that they can bring with them, you know, as they you know move on to the next level of school or into their professional careers? I think it's just that they got better in every facet of life, you know, and, and made uh, self-improvements and, and matured and, and then also with that built lifelong relationships, you know, it's ultimately when you're playing a sport, you know, I think in order to be successful, it's gotta be the whole team's all in. 
And in order to do that, you've got to build those relationships and find ways to foster that, which every single year we're redoing because you're getting a new freshman class and you're losing seniors. So, you know, I think that chemistry and relationships amongst each other is ultimately going to prove the wins and losses. You know, obviously you need some talent out there, but um, when they're willing to sacrifice their their bodies or, or uh, go for a loose ball because they care so much about their teammates. That is sort of the, the motivation that I think uh, kids will do have that, whatever it takes mindset yeah. um, there. So I think, uh, and then from there, it's like, once you're in that process, you know, you share that common bond with each other. And that to me is, is lifelong. And then the memories and the weddings and, all of that stuff where they, they just stick together uh, because of what their experience was like, I think for me is, is really ultimately what makes it really happy. I think we answer that question, Dan, when we talk to recruits, right? You sit there and go, you know, this is what I hope that you get from your experience as it relates to me. And that, I always say to recruits, like, I hate to come, keep coming back to the word care, but like, you know, what I don't want you to do is leave here in four years and go, oh, man, Coach is a really nice guy, but I wish he, I wish he pushed us harder. I wish he pushed me harder. I want to leave and go, that dude's nuts. Like, but he cares more than anybody that I've ever come across. Like, if, if that's what they leave with, then I'm good. And, yep. and that's, by the way, going to be super different for every kid, right? Yep. So, you know, there's going to be some kids – to, to get them to become the best version of themselves they can be, you're going to put your arm around all the time, right? And we had one kid in our team this past year that, like, you know, every time he did anything on the field, I could feel his eyes on me, like, looking back at me for validation. It's like, you know, I, I needed to build him up, and I would never yell at that, that guy, right? Like, that, then there's other guys, like, are you kidding me? Like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't listen to me unless I was screaming literally at them. And so you're you're balancing that, right? And it's the same thing as it relates to life. Some guys you can, you know, you can challenge because they should have gotten an A minus and not a B minus. Like, dude, you're so smart. Then there's other kids, a B minus, that's a, you worked your butt off. Absolutely. And so I think it's it's really important individually. It's different for every kid, but ultimately you want to keep the bar high and that's going to be, and it's not binary, by the way, right? Like, and this is what we always say. The same kids that are getting back on defense in the 85th minute are the kids that are staying in the library an extra hour and a half. Those are – that's one lesson, right? And so yeah. you don't just do things and sacrifice and work in one part of your life, but another part of your life you do it differently. And that's what we say. It's the same people that are cheating on a test, they're going to cheat on their girlfriend. Like the, the, there's absolutes and there's ways about going on in your life that, that you got to help try to, try to foster. And we're all making mistakes and we're all learning and it's, it's educational, but ultimately I hope kids say that, dude, coach cares, man. And that's a, that's a giant, that's a giant compliment. Yep. Absolutely. Great answers. Both of you. Thank you. There's all, there's always talk and, and you both have been in sport for, for quite some time, you know, as athletes and, and coaches of the modern athlete and the modern student and you, you can't do this. And it, what, and obviously things change, right? That's a natural progression over time. Things change. Um, what are some of the, the pluses of coaching the quote unquote modern athlete, the one that, and again, I'm saying this with a little sarcastic tone, like 
they're tied to their phone, they don't work, and they don't not because I don't believe that type of stuff. So what are some of the pluses of coaching the, the modern athlete and then some of the challenges that you face as, as coaches uh, in leading the modern athlete? Well, I think that question's especially specific to college because I think the college uh, world has changed, Dan, and I, and I think in a lot of ways there's a lot of positives of that change. What I've thought about a lot recently is – what we can't have it become is customer service, right? And I think that's the danger, right? You, you read all the literature about, you know, the, the snowplow parents and the, you know what I mean? Like the, you want to you do what you can to stay away from that as much as possible. And so what does that mean? It means you got to keep, in my mind, keep the bar high. Because ultimately people want the bar high. Like, and, and that, that's my opinion. Like people want to be pushed. People want discipline. People want to learn how to sacrifice. Like that's a, it's selfless. It, 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 it means that you're, you're sort of assimilating into something that's bigger than just you. And so I think we want to do what we can to protect that while at the same time understanding that we have a lot more knowledge about things like mental health and we understand that the, 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 there's more stress in these kids than there's ever been before. And so I, th- I don't necessarily think that the, 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 the athletes are different. I think that the environment's different and figuring out where to protect, where to expose, where to, how to communicate. That's a, that's a changing, that's a moving bar. So you know, I, I, I certainly think there are challenges, but I don't know. Those are things I've thought a lot about recently. Some of the conversations and dialogues for us are just way more um, expressive. Right. And I think that's something that I feel like, in terms of emotional maturity, I think kids are starting to be okay with being really open about how they feel. You know, the idea of just mental health and the dialogue around mental health is not really something that's, you know, a, such a hush-hush, you know, topic anymore. And I think that with that, we're able to help them more and really get get kids through tough times whether it's you know issues at home or you know maybe a family member sick and just the fact that people are willing to put themselves out there to get resources and get help i think that's something that has really been a big improvement um in these kids nowadays like they're and they're openly talking about with each other where they don't feel like they have to keep these things inside that that they think they should be ashamed of um, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I go see so-and-so. She's super helpful because she helps me um, do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I think that that aspect of just self-help and self-care, you know, has is, is really been uh, great. And I, I think our, our players really utilize services uh, that are available to them in a way that has never been utilized before. And yep. I think it helps them. Again, when we go back to the idea of building confidence and just overall well-being, I think that they're way more likely now to 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 do those things for themselves than they have been. Um, with that being said, you know it's it's like you know things that might have not been now are you know that takes up a lot of of time. You know, not in a negative way, but sometimes my focus has had to shift. Where you know, kind of like you said, I might have had to spend an hour practice planning, you know, if someone comes into my office, I drop everything I'm doing for them if, if they need me. So, you know, sort of uh, balancing that, you know, uh, role that I have is, you know, 
on the field coach, you know, in the office, sort of um, just life assistant, you know, for them. And I think um, that that's been a role that I've really had to adapt to, you know, and just um, putting a lot more on, on my assistants, you know, yep. to, to really stuff. Hey, you guys go ahead, plan practice. I got to meet with, with so-and-so and um, just having good assistance obviously is, is a, a key thing in terms of the hiring and, and who we bring in because they really do have some really big responsibilities. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely not, a, you know, as taboo as it once was to say, you know, my feelings are hurt or I'm, I, you know, I'm not feeling confident in this situation, and I, which is a, is a good thing, but it also, um, it, it does pull time away from the tactical side of things. And um, what I, what I like about that, what you both said is it decreases, I think in the past, I think athletes would expect the coach to just figure it out and, you know, I've always said to our employees, if you have an issue, let's talk about it because I'm not a mind reader, right? Yeah, and right. Look at social cues and, and maybe navigate your way to the answer. But at the end of the day, we're not mind readers. And, and the more open conversation, the better suited the leader is able to provide the support and the services to work through a tough situation or whatever it might be. What do you look for in a recruit beyond sport specific? Like if you, if you had to pinpoint one quality of a recruit, getting, you know, getting away from the soccer skills and the lacrosse skills, what's the thing you're looking for? I think toughness. I mean, I think that's a huge, you know what I mean? Like, I think if you're, if you got, if you got both mental and physical toughness, like you're going to be, you're going to be uh, an asset. And that's strictly, strictly athletic. You know, if that's, if that's what you're asking, Dan, like, you know what I mean? Like it's, man, I mean, like you got a bunch of tough kids you're going to probably be okay, whatever the sport is, whatever the – and we know there's just some kids that, you know, you run into. I bet I bet everybody you've come across, Dan, that you're like, oh, I'd want that guy on my team, right? Yes. Tough, right? Yep. Like that's the one attribute. You know what I mean? And yep. so um, we, we were watching – I don't know, watch the NFL draft last night, but the one clip that stuck out to me was Joe Burrow when he gets taken first. Like I don't know if you saw the thing, but they slowed down. But, like, he gets pummeled on one play. And, and throws a dart, and it's like that guy's going to be successful because he, he showed he could take a hit. And so, yep. well, I don't know if that's true, but uh, he seems like he's good. People talk about him. Uh, We're getting yeah. football advice from the soccer guy. We're in trouble. We're yeah. in trouble already. Well, I, I like just about every other sport before I like soccer. So I could you know. anyway. What's your one thing for me? I'd say passion. You know, just being really passionate about what you do, um, and and passionate about you know playing lacrosse, you know, because yep. we play so much. We're practicing right. from September until hopefully the end, the end of May. And that yep. is a long time. And you're, it's, it's a, a mental, you know, toll. It takes a physical toll on you. And, you know, obviously I think, I think toughness goes into that, but I think if they're really passionate about what they do and passionate about the sport, then they're going to get through, get through those times. And, and just, you got to be excited, right? One of the, uh, one of my favorite things that Justin has is a sign outside of his office that says you're responsible for the energy you bring into this room. Right. And that's something that I don't think we can coach is yeah. this energy. And, uh, what you said is attitude, you know, when yeah. in regards to this situation, 
um, we can't coach that. So it's either you have it or you don't, you know, I, I don't want to have to motivate somebody to work hard. You know, they should be, they're just so fortunate to have these amazing opportunities to, to play college athletics. Um, so many people want the opportunity to do that and might not, or maybe don't have the skill and the things that they get out of it too. It's just, they're, they're so fortunate and lucky that, uh, you just can't take any day for granted. And, and obviously I, you know, I, the situation specifically, you know, I I've heard through talking to a lot of our players is just, man, I've never been more excited. I've never been more, I don't know, just driven and motivated, um, to, to play our yep. and play together again. And, uh, it's hard, you know, it's hard to, to know that, especially, with teenage, you know, we're recruiting girls when they're juniors and in high school. So you might be a little bit of an anomaly if you're just really driven and focused only on your sport, where so many of your peers might be caught up in the social realm. Yeah. So if you can stay driven and stay passionate to, to do that at the highest level, then ultimately I think you'll be successful. It's, it's the idea that you have to have that discipline and self-control to not get pulled into what the norm is. Yeah, great answer. And the reason why we, you know, some of our some of our listeners are athletes who are aspiring to move on and play at the college level. And I think, you know, again, in my work through Empower, we will see some of them and they're so focused on, yes, the 40 yard dash time is important or the 300 shuttle or this, you know, your performance in this drill or this drill. But there are things that coaches look at beyond that that are the separators between, you know, two equally talented athletes. Uh, the best recruiting advice I ever got, Dan, was recruit players you're willing to lose with. Yep. Right? And, and that's exactly right. And, and again, like, we had a kid this year, Cutler Coleman, who was our senior captain. And so, like, yep. we lost in the national final. And, you know, I get up there and it's like, dude, I don't know. We lost a soccer game, right? Like, ultimately, though, dude, if I got guys like Cutler – and it doesn't happen, like, I'm going to sleep fine, right? Yep. And that's exactly what I said. Those are the kids you want to go, go to war, you know, go to, go to compete with because how could you do it any other way? How could you, you know what I mean? Like, and not everyone's the same on this. Everyone's in a different spot on the continuum. But ultimately, for young athletes, like, yeah, that's what we're looking for. We, yep. want, we want kids that we're going to enjoy being around because ultimately we spend so much time together. Like, why would I want to be there, – there's been kids we've had at camp then I'm like, I don't care if you're, like, messy. Like, I ain't coaching you, dude. It's not happening. It's not worth it, you know? And, uh, and then there's other kids you have at camp that maybe aren't the best. That you're like, oh, I want, I want to be around that kid because he's going to get better. He's going to listen. He's going to, you know, do all the things we ask him to do. Great, great answers. Um, you've been in the, the, the field for quite some time. What's been the biggest change uh, from when you're – and? You both started coaching at a really young age, too, at a high level. What's been the biggest change from year one to where you are right now in your coaching career? I think we're just more experienced and willing to not be so, uh, at least for me, not so quick to, you know, make decisions or quick to react to something. You know, I think just the idea of experience and all the different things that you face, all the challenges, all the, the positive things, um, that you face just, I, I definitely feel like I'm a little bit more patient. I take pause. I take my time to make decisions. I'm 
weighing all options um, because you have those previous experiences to draw upon, right? Like when you're young, you just don't necessarily have that. And, um, you know, I think just the being methodical and thoughtful about everything we do and knowing that everything that we do is for a reason, I think just really take a lot of time when, when our ultimately one of our biggest jobs is that we have to make a lot of decisions. And I really try to, take my time, you know, ask others, like bring, bring in my assistants, bring in my administrators, talk to them, talk through scenarios where, you know, when I I was younger, I think I would have just said, Oh, this is it. This is the way I'm doing it. And this is how it's going to happen. Right. So that's my answer. Yeah, no, I think, but I think, uh, well, first of all, for any young people going into their career out there, I mean, I think part of it's just you get confidence over time. Like, I don't know when I was 20 years old, I didn't know I was going to be any good at this. And I'm not sure I still, like from a from a big picture standpoint, what's changed in coaching? One one specific thing is last two sport athletes, right? So like all of our, you know, last 15 years, especially, you know, really, really unique to have uh, kids that play more than two two sports. Certainly in college, Inch has one right now that plays soccer and lacrosse. Oh, I think wow. I have maybe one or I don't know. Um, but forget the college thing. Just growing up. Like kids are playing soccer from when they're 10 years old. And that's, I I don't think it's like a huge deal. It's just different, right? It's like, they don't, I always felt like we, it's it's become a little bit cliche, but it is true. Like you gain a lot from playing, having different experiences. And uh, I think that's, that's been different. The other thing that I'll say quickly that I think is different that I love is that as a society, we've figured out that, that diversity it creates better teams, right? Organizations operate better when they're diverse cultures and, and are made up of different types of people. And I think there's a value on that right now in at least in, in the world that I live in. And so I'm pumped about that because I think it, yeah. it creates opportunities for kids. And I'm glad that people are sort of awake to the fact that that's a, that there's a tangible result of having different people together. Yep. Great, great answer. Hey, so we're, we're on the, the home stretch right here. I got a couple quick hitters for you. Again, we have Angela and Justin Serpone, University of Massachusetts Women's Lacrosse, Amherst College, Men's Soccer. It's a mouthful to say those both together. I, I don't want to mess them up because they have the Amherst in both of them. Um, so you have three children, Lily, Tyson, Annabelle. Are they any involvement in youth sport yet? Yeah, on a very superficial level, you know, we're trying to have them try everything and, um, you know, nothing's necessarily like a thing yet, you know, and that's fine. You know, as long as they're willing to try new things, um, a lot of times it just falls in line with the social crew, right? You know, they like it if their friends are doing it and that's fine. You know, as long as they're being active um, and healthy, I think that that's the most important thing for us right now. All right. And here, so here's the heaters. We got some heaters coming at you right here. Love it. We throw some gasoline on the fire. Who's the better behaved sideline parent? Sideline parent? I think we're both pretty good. Yeah. Like, well, I think it's part of it because like we've come, we've been like, I've seen a lot of things, man. And like, you know, what's funny, Dan, I, so I've coached Tyson's, uh, this is along these lines. I've coached Tyson's kindergarten basketball. 
I'm like, when I tell you that I prepare for those practices more than I prepare for my own college practices, because you realize like, you know, you go to practice and it's like, everybody's parents are sitting there. You're so worried about like saying a positive thing to this kid and making sure you say everybody's name. Like I'm stressed out. Like by nine o'clock on Saturday morning, like I need to go back to bed. Cause I just, I care so much. They have a good experience. Cause I've seen so much craziness. We or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it, I think we're both pretty good about that. Um, if you were going to ask who's better behaving the sidelines, that, like there are sidelines, that's definitely Edge because it ain't okay. me. No, no, I, I would I didn't, I didn't even want to ask that because I knew the answer <laughs> going in. Yeah. Um, your, your family's very active. Who is the better – you're not student athletes anymore. You're both retired. Who's the better parent athlete right now? Yeah, Angie's. is. Definitely wow. Definitely me. It's, yeah, it's tough. Justin, to Justin is a runner. Okay. He's run marathons. I will pr never do a marathon. Never. But as an overall athlete, it's me. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> who is the disciplinary? Our, our last week that we had in March, yeah. I, played, I played. I played with Did you really? Yeah. Did you also slip and broke your wrist this summer playing? That wasn't your finest moment. I was out there, though. All right. All right. Next question, Dan. Next question. <laughs> Another opportunity to take uh, criticism. Yeah. Uh, who's the disciplinarian? Who's the pushover? Who's the softie? Uh, I think we're both everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't really have a – yeah. There, we, we have our times of being fired up, and we can probably drop a hammer. But I'm probably more of a softie than you are. No? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But, <laughs> they all, you know, at the end of the day – Still mom. It's always mom, yeah. mom for everything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they want mom for everything. Angela, something about Justin that you hope the children grow up with. Ooh. I think creativity. Um, you know, Justin has an extensive background in his youth in theater. There, <laughs> if I could ever find a video, I'll send it to you of him in Hamlet. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, that's something that I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't take part in as much when I was younger. And I think it's such a valuable thing um, in going back to the confidence building and just uh, public speaking. You know, I, I didn't really become a good speaker in public until I had to take that course in college. Yep. Um, but I think the, you know, sort of um, spontaneity of his creativity is, is awesome. And Justin, same thing. Justin, something about Angela that you hope the, the, the children have. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'd say she's pretty confident. And she's pretty confident, not very – she's very unflappable. So, like, I think sometimes you can – you know, we're somebody as long as we've been together. You can push buttons and kind of, you know, she doesn't really get her buttons pushed. And so that's a good quality because you can push my buttons, Dan. It takes, like, four seconds – like, I can get sucked into anything, and next thing you know, I'm not talking to somebody because they think LeBron's better than Michael Jordan, right? So, like, <laughs> my buttons are easily pushed. Hers are not, and I think that's a good quality to have. Wish I had it. There's a – and this – I use this quote all the time, and it happened probably two or three years ago at one of the Amherst Leeds programs. We were doing the hide-the-pen activity, and I was talking trash. I got to know the group a little bit, and one of the male athletes looked at me and said, I'm not letting you into my mental real estate. And I looked at him back and just busting his chops. Like you already have, if you're thinking about what I'm saying right now. <laughs> Thank you. Those are the end of the heaters. Um, 
we're gonna the last thing and and you're away from your athletes which you probably this is a new thing what's a message to that you'd like to pass to your athletes right now if they find that they stumble their way i'll get i'm gonna get this out on social media so hopefully some of them find their way to it so what's a message to your athletes during the tough time right now well in in the short term it's you know dig in and final finish your finals because i think this this you know this is challenging i would be so challenged dan if i was a if I was a student right now with, you know, being at home and like, there's so many distractions, you're in your room and you're a parent, you know what I mean? Like, so even though there's, it seems like there's a lot of time, I feel like I would struggle academically to be organized in this environment. And yeah. so my message to them is like, just dig in, be disciplined, you know, do well here in final, that stuff matters. That's why you're in college. Um, and then, you know, we'll, 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 we'll crush the next, you know, we'll get to whatever's next, next. Um, yeah. And then, and then to steal, I mean, you know, Bill Belichick's whole thing, like you can't like just win the next day right now, like just have a good today and then we'll have a good tomorrow. And then that's all you can do. And so stay short term oriented. Uh, yeah. Just do good on your exams. Similar. I'd just say, you know, embracing the challenge, you know, like, Nobody would ever want this to happen, but a lot of times in life, bad things do happen. Yeah. And I think instead of, you know, sulking, you know, you have, it's the attitude. You, you can, you have two choices of how you're going to handle it. If you have a positive attitude and you find ways to um, take something away from it, you know, benefit yourself in some type of uh, way, shape or form, you're going to be so much better off in the next thing that you do in, in your life. Awesome. Well, I really, really, really appreciate the two of you. I know with three younger ones running around, this probably wasn't an easy thing to schedule. So I'm uh, very thankful to both of you for jumping on the Lead with Empower podcast. Justin and Angela Serpone, tremendous coaches, tremendous leaders at Amherst College at the University of Massachusetts. But more importantly, in my experiences with you both, just absolutely tremendous people. So keep on kicking ass. You guys are awesome. And Really appreciate you both being on today and wishing, you know, you and the Sapone family nothing but uh, health and happiness. And can't wait to see you guys at some point down the road whenever the dust settles from this mess. So really appreciate it. Dan, thank you. The second all this ends, we're getting our group back to Empower, all right? We're going to enjoy it. We're going to give hugs and high fives if, if, it's, uh, if it's right. And uh, we think the world of you, Dan, like what you've done, uh, you know, for me, for Amherst Leeds, uh, just being a great friend. Um, this has been really fun. So thanks for having us. Really thanks. appreciate it. My pleasure. You're very welcome. A lot of fun on this end as well. So, hey, ladies and gentlemen, Angela and Justin Sapone lead with Empower. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you so much to our listeners. We appreciate you tuning in. And always remember, great leadership looks, sounds, and feels different. However, there is a common thread that connects all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead, and they spend most of their time in their stretch zone. Not settling for that which is comfortable, because nothing exceptional was ever accomplished from comfort.